This episode is brought to you in part by Litvin School of Mission, Ministry, and Leadership at Wheaton College. Our graduate programs in evangelism, ministry, and leadership enrich your mind, spirit, vocation, and character to refine what's already within you. Learn more at wheaton.edu. Welcome to Episode 2 in a four-part series where I am focusing on spiritual practices and formation. If you have not listened to last week's conversation with Sharon Garlow-Brown, I would like to encourage you to add it to your to-be-listened-to list. Sharon was quick to point out that spiritual practices are not a yoke or a measure of our faithfulness but instead an invitation to be awake and attentive to the presence of God in our lives. So be sure to go back and listen. Today I am joined by Sarah Geringer, and we are talking about Christian meditation. What is Christian meditation? How does it differ from scripture memorization? And how can it transform your thought life? After years of meditating on God's Word, Sarah wrote Transforming Your Thought Life in both an adult and teen version. Links to her books can be found at graceenoughpodcast.com slash Christian meditation. Good morning, Sarah, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thanks, Amber. It's so fun to be with you here, and I loved our time in person this past summer. I know. I always say when I get to sit and chat with someone that I know in real life, it really, there's just something different about it. You know, it's more like a conversation between friends. And so I'm thrilled to have you here. And so tell everybody else though, so people can get to know you. Tell a little about yourself, uh, your family and what you do on a day-to-day basis. I am a Christian author, a speaker, podcaster. I'm an artist. I also coach Christian creatives and, uh, I have several books. We're going to be talking about a couple of those today. And I'm also a wife of 20 plus years and I have three teenagers, two boys and a girl. Uh, I have a 115 pound Labrador (laughs) who he has my heart. So um, I feel you girl. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a total dog, dog mom. I am a fifth generation resident of Southeast Missouri. So I love being here and um, it's just great to be interviewed on another podcast with one of my great podcasting friends. That's right. So tell me fifth generation Southeast Missouri is your husband's family from there as well? Yes, there was a big um, German immigration in the 1850s to 1880s. This is where many Germans settled in the United States, in Missouri. And so both his family and my family uh, just settled here and stayed here. And that's, that's common with a lot of people in this area. It's, there's a very strong uh, German Lutheran and Catholic uh, tradition here in Missouri. So very, very blessed to have deep, deep roots here. Oh, that's so cool. Look, a little history lesson too, to go along with our um, (laughs) conversation today. Well, so tell me then, um, and this can kind of go into that a little about your faith journey and just how you came to know Christ. I am one of those 
truly blessed people that doesn't remember not knowing God. And that's really because of the faith heritage in my family. It was just what you did. We, Mm -hmm. we go to church. It's part, it was part of our Sunday tradition. We'd go to church and then we'd have a big family meal after that. And the first independent memory I have was when I was three. Um, I have a photographic memory. It goes all the way back to um, 16 months old. That's my first memory that I had, but this one, I was three years old and I was in church with my mom and my dad, and this is before they got divorced and just a, a true sense of, um, God's awesomeness and his, um, mightiness and his power, uh, the tradition that I worshiped in had a very high and reverent view of who God is. And that became part of my picture. And that was a comfort to me. Mm. Uh, I know some people are threatened by that, but for me, that was a comfort that knowing there was someone way bigger than me in control and taking care of everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, that yeah, that's just was something that laid the groundwork for my faith. Oh, wow. It is awesome. And I hear people, you know, sometimes say, Oh, I don't have this amazing testimony. And I'm like, Oh, yes, you do. Um, The (laughs) legacy of faith that goes through families is a, I mean, it's the best testimony, really. (laughs) It truly is. It truly is. And on my on my podcast, uh, one of my podcasts is for adult children of divorce. I talk about how I'm glad that at least one branch of my family had that heritage because it was something that was a steady rock when those turbulent times came. Hmm. So um, I was glad that um, my church and school were connected. So that was part of my world. And that was a sense of stability for me when the family got rocked by emotional turmoil. So, um, and, and it can be that way to you. I, I know there's kind of a trend, uh, in the U S for people turning back to a more liturgical uh, leaning. And I think it's because they want that sense of security and predictability in these chaotic times in which we live. And maybe that was part of your family story. And I feel very proud of that myself, uh, that I have a heritage of faith like that, even though I don't worship in a church right now with a liturgical format. Um, it's still such a strong part of who I am and, mm-hmm. and what my faith looks like. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I totally get that because um, I didn't grow up per se in a Christian family, but I mean, we were in and out of church, but my latter years were spent in Methodist church. And I'm so grateful that I just even have a memorization of the doxology, right? Like I didn't get it at the time. I didn't understand the benefit of having the Lord's prayer memorized, but as an adult, like I totally benefit from that because I work, you know, it's, it's, you layer your faith. And so you get a layered understanding of liturgy once you start digging into what it means. And I'm so grateful. And same as you, I don't worship in a liturgical church right now either, but those things we do in our home, um, it's really beneficial. We'll talk about this, how it can relate to Christian meditation. It's so wonderful to have things just stored in your mind 
that point you back to a faith perspective when your thoughts are spiraling out of control. And the Lord's prayer could be that way. The benediction is based on a verse in numbers. Things like that can just instantly center you back on what's real and true and mm-hmm. life-giving when your thought life is going in directions where it shouldn't go. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is what we're going to talk to about today is just Christian meditation. And when we hear the word meditation, I think what, because in our culture, what it has been turned into, uh, we think things like namaste and, you know, someone sitting on the floor with their legs crossed, you know, um, emptying your mind of things, all of those sorts of ideas, but it is a Christian practice. It is biblical. And so how would you describe Christian meditation? So I think the danger in worldly meditation and emptying yourself is the Bible says that there is no one who is good. Mm -hmm. The, The Bible does not take the perspective that people are basically good. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that we're sinful. So anytime I sit with just myself, I go right to sin, either it's self-pity or judgment of other people. I mean, righteousness. Yes. That's where I go. But in Christian meditation, your focus is on God's word, which is the truth that counters all those lies that you're believing mm-hmm. inside. And it's, it's the sword of the spirit that cuts through all the lies and the junk and the strongholds that are in us and brings new life, just like a surgeon cuts to bring healing. That's what God's word does for us. When we simply think deeply on it for a few quiet minutes, that's all it is. It's Mm -hmm. that simple but it's also that profound. Well, and I love that you point out that it's the sword of the spirit because then you see, and and people listening may or may not know this, but it's like in Hebrews where it talks about that God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword, you know, penetrating even heart and spirit. But then if you go on into revelation, like Jesus in that is portrayed as his tongue coming out as a double-edged sword. And it's like, when you start seeing that imagery, some people will be fearful and all of that, but I'm like, no, look at the theme throughout the entire word of God as what it does. It is the truth. And so it does separate lies from truth. And like you said, those out of control thoughts. Piggybacking on what you said, if we go to Ephesians six and we look at the armor of God, we are to put that on to fight our spiritual battles. Mm. And that's empowering. It's empowering to know that we can use the word of God that we're meditating on to equip us when we're triggered, when people come at us uh, with, with hard things, we Mm. all experience that Um, we can fight back. We're not just passive in our faith. We're active in our faith And Christian meditation equips us for those fights. And that's a secondary thread that runs through uh, both of my books on Christian meditation about using it to fight back in our spiritual battles. Well, and so tell us, because I've said it's a biblical concept, but how is meditation expressed in the Bible? So it's mostly listed in the Psalms, also a few other places. Uh, But depending on your translation, 
uh, it's listed up to 20 times. And in Hebrew, there's two words for it. It's haga and siak. And they both basically center on focusing intently on something and repeating it. So it's focus and repetition. That's the main theme behind those two words. And in the Psalms, it's talking about focusing and repeating on God's laws, God's precepts, God's character, God's promises, all those things that we need to focus on to be equipped to live the Christian life. So yes, it's very biblical. It's prescribed to us in scripture Mm -hmm. and scripture even tells us what to focus on. So it's not something that is a new concept. Early Christians practice this um, Mm -hmm. more intently probably than we do today, but it's, it's an ancient spiritual discipline that I think gives me greater peace really than any other thing that I do and any other discipline. And that some of those include prayer, corporate worship, serving, all those things are wonderful and they're essential to the Christian life. But I feel like for me, meditation has given me more peace than any of those other things do on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Digging a little bit more into your story and how Christian meditation became something that you practice regularly, share a little bit about that. And, you know, maybe what led you to a place where this is not just something in my spiritual toolbox, but it's something that I'm using on a regular basis. This didn't start for me until I was an adult, even though I had this heritage of faith. I went to a Christian uh, school as a young girl. And for confirmation uh, in eighth grade, I had to memorize a hundred Bible verses. So, uh, and I also graduated from uh, a Christian college. So I was not unfamiliar with the Bible. I was more familiar than most people, quite honestly. But when I was 25, I was newlywed And something was just bothering me that I had never read the entire Bible front to back. And I thought, you know, I have all this knowledge I just mentioned, but I've never really sat down and read the whole word in in an entirety. And I wanted to take that challenge on. So I uh, went to the Christian bookstore locally, ask them to recommend a Bible that would make that easy for me. Cause I didn't feel like the Bibles that I had were going to set me up for success in doing that. It was just too overwhelming to just open the Bible and start reading. I wanted mm-hmm. a format that would make that easier. And the clerk recommended the one-year Bible format to me. And so uh, that has a reading of old Testament, new Testament, Psalms and Proverbs every day. You can get through it in 10 or 15 minutes a day. And I took it home and that particular version had one verse in bold. Mm. And being the student that I am, (laughs) if anything is in bold in a textbook, it's because you're supposed to pay greater attention to it, right? So I just 
really focused on that verse. I wouldn't have called it meditation at the time. Mm -hmm. It was just my training being a student, knowing that that's what I should focus on. And within just a few weeks of doing that, God was dismantling all these lies that I was believing because I had come to it with this presupposition that God's word is true. It's the Mm -hmm. ultimate truth. And so as I was reading, I was thinking, well, if this is true, what's going on up here in my mind does not match that Mm -hmm. at all. And so just me and the Holy Spirit and my Bible during breakfast before I went to work started changing everything. Mm. And sometimes I would write that verse on a three by five card and take it with me and look at it again at lunchtime, or I'd set it up on the windowsill while I was washing dishes uh, at night. So I was not just looking at it once in the morning, but Mm -hmm. I was repeating it throughout the day. And that started making a really big difference. And uh, I started my healing journey through that. That's when it really began. It was just that powerful. It started releasing me from the bondage of codependency, of people pleasing, of seeking approval from others, for my identity. It, it really changed everything for me. So it was that powerful. So I want to ask you, if you say that started the healing journey for you and you kind of said from what, but you originally started just because you wanted to read the Bible front to back. And so did you even realize that you needed healing when the journey began? No, Hmm. not in a, um, not in a formal context. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why this happened soon after that, I became pregnant with my first child. And then once he was born, I joined a small group at my church, which was great because then I started seeing what I'm dealing with is not normal compared Mm. to these other ladies stories. Um, Wow. I didn't realize that. And I think that God needed me to heal in community too. It wasn't just me and him at my kitchen table, which is enough. Like that's enough. God can do whatever he wants just through that, but he designs us that's right. to live in community. And so I started, I actually comparing. don't think it's enough. I mean, it's not because God's not capable, but I actually think that to, for complete healing to really happen in whatever's going on, you kind of have to have both because he's actually told us that. I agree. God can just send lightning bolts down, but most of the time he works through other people. (laughs) That's just, it's it's not an either or right. It's a right. And and Christ exhibited that to us. Exactly. Exactly. And I am very passionate about telling people you need to seek healing. You need to seek healing from others. And so once I started that, Uh, in my small group. Then a few years later, I started going to therapy and that lasted Mm. for five years. So I needed all of those things to get healing, but it started with just me and God and my Bible. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how amazing, I don't know that I would have been as in tune with wanting to get healed if I hadn't started first, just listening to the Holy spirit and what he had to say, what the promises he wanted to speak over my life. Then it all started coming together mm-hmm. when I sought greater healing in community. So yeah, God used all those things to work together for my good. Mm -hmm. And I know that he will do that. And whoever is listening, if you're willing to invest that two to five minutes a day, that same healing process is promised for you too. I love all of what you've said because it just further proves what is said in Hebrews, which we've already talked about, which is God's word is living and active It is sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And it's not, I don't share that from a place of judgment. I share that from you. A lot of times don't even know what you need until you begin meditating on the word of God. I don't know what I need. And then you begin meditating and your life is changed. Absolutely. It's amazing how, and I'll tell you, I'll just prove what you just said. So I've been doing this now for 18 years and you would think I'd be so familiar because I'm reading the exact, I mean, it starts, you know, Genesis is January. Isaiah is my favorite book of the Bible. That's every September. Would it get old and boring? You know, no. And this is why, because the Bible is the living word of God. It speaks to me now as a mom of three teenagers for the needs and the desires and hopes I have now that were not even on the horizon Mm -hmm. when I was 25, newly wed, not even pregnant yet. So God meets us where we're at and a word that was so powerful and life-changing for me at that time might not even speak to me right now because I need something else. And God meets us where we're at, whatever Mm -hmm. struggle we're in right now, he can just pull those words right off the page and minister to us, uh, wherever we need it. And that's, what's exciting about opening his word every day. What are you going to hit me with God? (laughs) So that's, that's really fun. It's, it's, it's an adventure to join God every day in his word. Yeah. I mean, I really want to just keep talking about that, but we could go on and on about, I mean, I I can't even remember who it was and I don't want to mess the quote up, but essentially it was, you know, the Bible is just meant to be read throughout your lifetime over and over and over again, because it truly is a story with multiple layers that, you know, start on a foundation and then it just builds and builds and builds. And the beauty of it is you know, you can never explore the depths of all of scripture. And so it's a beautiful thing, but for someone who's like totally intimidated by reading the Bible in a year, what are some practical ways they can get started with Christian meditation? I would say go to biblegateway.com and type in the problem you're dealing with, Mm. type in anxiety, type in depression, type in financial problems and pull up a verse that speaks directly to that issue and 
write it out and make it your point to meditate on it every day, twice a day for a week. I personally guarantee God will change you somehow by just doing that. That's how powerful it is. But you have to, I think you're going to gain more power if you match a verse to your problem. So God knows that we need to overcome in certain areas and his word is going to equip us for that, whatever area that you're struggling with. And that's why I structured my books the way that I did, because it pulls out verses that are meant for those particular problems, but also not just to deal with the problems, but to deal, to point you toward the virtue that you can pursue instead, such as if you're anxious, then you can meditate on verses about peace to overcome in that area. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, in addition to that, I want to just tell people like the meditation really is for you and for God, please don't start using them as mantras to like toss out at other people because you don't always know what's going on in their lives. And that's when it becomes harmful. So I always right. like to say that because I'm like, God's word is living and active in everyone's life. And so encourage them to go and search out scripture, maybe share those scriptures with people, but don't just, um, chant it over people's lives. No. And I think our testimonies are a lot more powerful when we talk about what, how God is using it in our lives. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a me story, not a, you should story. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're willing to listen to that a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so tell me, I mean, you've already kind of shared some of the fruits of Christian meditation uh, in your own life. And so we won't dig into that too much, but I do, when it comes to your books and you know, what you've written about Christian meditation, share about those a little bit, the heart behind it, and maybe some of the fruits that you've seen come out of those in the lives of readers. So my first book is called, um, transforming your thought life, Christian meditation and focus. And to build the book, I polled my tribe and I said, what are your main thought life problems? And so I took their responses and made 17 chapters and I pulled the verses that deal with the problem, but also the virtue to pursue. So one of the fruits that came out of this totally unexpected. Okay. I'm doing my launch team for this book and four or five of the ladies shared the chapter on anxious thoughts with their daughters, their teen daughters. And they said, this really helped my daughter today. Have you thought about writing a book for teens? And I'm like, no, like not at all. And they said that, well, we love it. And so I ran it by my agent. She ran it by the publisher. It was green lights all the way. And that's how the, the teen girl version of this book came to be. Mm. And, uh, so that just recently published and it's the same kind of setup for the teen girls, but I had to add four more chapters in because I pulled teen girls and they had more issues to deal with mm -hmm. uh, that we don't necessarily focus on anymore as adults and mm -hmm. particular to their generation too. And one of the fruits that has come out of this experience is Another one of my launch team members, who's a boy mom, shared it with her youth group and she just ran through the chapters and she had the boys in that group give a thumbs up or thumbs down and they gave a thumbs up to 19 out of the 21 chapters. 
So even though I didn't write the book necessarily for boys, maybe God is intending it for boys to read too. So Mm -hmm. I have some boy moms that have ordered my books. So I'm, I'm interested to see what God is going to do through this. It's amazing. But I think what my readers have said, according to their feedback is what they say is I go through the table of contents and I pick out this problem area. Like this is my problem area. And I think all of us have kind of unique problem areas associated with the dark sides of our personality. Mm -hmm. So I talk about that in the book, um, thoughts that criticize others is like my go-to area for one on the Enneagram girl. Me Exactly. That's (laughs) yes. That's how we, we criticize ourselves and we criticize everybody else. Exactly. (laughs) But then I had other people telling me, Oh man, guilty thoughts. I went right Mm -hmm. there or regretful thoughts or impure thoughts, whatever. Right. Mm. And they're like, I read that story and it just, or I read that chapter and it just resonated so much with me. I was curious then about the other chapters. And then I realized I'm screwed up in so many ways, <laughs> but <you laughs> welcome know, to really the human what, condition. <laughs> exactly. Like, Oh, I need God's help in all these areas. I wasn't even aware were problems. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting that people are using my books, not in necessary linear, not reading from front to back, but bouncing around according to whatever problem they're dealing with. And I'm great with that. Mm-hmm. Use it however suits you and whatever speaks to you and uh, just check out the other chapters as you have a chance um, because we all need to grow in certain areas and sometimes we just need to zone in on one for a certain time to really overcome a struggle that we're having. Well, and this one may throw you a bit, but what would you say is the difference between Christian meditation and just scripture memory? Well, when I was an eighth grader, I had that list. I still have it. I'm a keeper. I have the actual page. Okay. I get on the bus and repeat, you know, for God so love the world, for God so love the world, you know, just for the sake of going and reciting it to the pastor and getting the thing checked off the list. Right. But meditation is really slowing down taking the time to process it, work through it, apply it to your life. So when I encounter a verse, I have three questions I ask, what does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about myself? And what does this tell me about how I should treat other people? Mm -hmm. So it's putting it through those filters, which is more than just a surface level treatment. It's getting it down to where does this have meaning in my life? what does this mean for us? That's what I had to apply in my confirmation classes. What does this mean for us? It's not just the truth itself. It's what does it mean to me and my, how am I supposed to live this out? Mm. Yeah. I mean, and that's such a good word because I think, uh, just foundationally how we learn is memorization is that first layer, like in elementary school, it's how our brains work and it's important. And it, has so much value. But then as we continue to get older, it's just like what God's word says. Like when you were an infant, you drink spiritual milk, but if you're still drinking spiritual milk as an adult Christian, you've got to reevaluate. And so that's where you move from that scripture memory into the meditation piece, because I do think memorization, we talked about it earlier, having the doxology memorized, like those things just 
it's like if you hear people who've been in prison, who were imprisoned for their faith, they're so grateful that they have the word of God stored in their mind, right? But I can guarantee you they don't just recite it. They're definitely at that point trying to figure out what does this say about God? What does this say about me? And how can I treat other people in, in light of this? And so I love that layering again, uh, perspective. One thing I've done since 2017, I pick a meditation verse for the year. Mm. So for 365 days, I meditate on a certain verse. Then it comes part of my history, not wow. just, uh, not just something that I spend two minutes on a day. Yeah. It's kind of a theme of how God is working in my life. And it's because I've spent time making it part of me mm-hmm. for 365 Habits. days. Yeah. So you can do that. You, you can do whatever you want. You could do one a week, one a month, one a whole year and just get a whole lot. And now those verses that I've had, they just come, I can just recite them immediately because I spent so much time thinking through them. Well, so tell me, do you have a way that you go about coming up with your, you know, verse you're going to meditate on for the year? Month of December, I start praying about it. I start praying because I don't know what God wants to speak over me. Like Mm -hmm. in 2022, we're recording this in 2021. Mm -hmm. So that month I'll just start praying about it. Yeah. And I'll just kind of have an open spirit, just a surrendered spirit to whatever podcasts I'm listening to, sermons at church, books I'm reading. And almost always it's a verse that comes up again and again and again and again and again. That's how I know. And then once that comes about, then I kind of lay it before God in prayer. And I just say, is this what you want me to focus on, Lord? And I'll just have a sense of peace in my spirit if that's where he wants me to go. Yeah. And that's, that's how it comes about. I love that. Well, and even to encourage the listeners, you know, when, when I'm asking these questions, it's not because there's a right or a wrong way to do it. Right. And I know you agree with that, Sarah, because God's word is living and active. You really can choose anyone, but sometimes um, we just want to know different ways that people do things. So that's why I asked that question. But um, as we close out, this podcast is called grace enough. I know we all have multiple seasons in our life where we can speak to the sufficiency of the grace of God in our lives. So will you share a time, a season throughout your life, whenever, when you feel like, wow, I mean, God's grace has just been so sufficient in my life. Yeah. What my thoughts go back to, uh, the story I share in the guilty thoughts chapter, because I deal with false guilt, real guilt, both of us are Enneagram ones. Like we said, we have a a fierce inner critic, right? And, uh, I was in Bible study, Bible study fellowship at the time. Uh, and, uh, we were doing us ones love BSF. Yes, we do. (laughs) Love it. We were doing the book of Romans Mm. and, uh, my, my sons were really small and I get in, I get in the car after BSF And I'm condemning myself for things that I said in there, which weren't even wrong. It's just what we do because we're so self-critical, right? Mm -hmm. And I say out loud, I'm like, that was so stupid. And my my three-year-old son um, said, mom, you just said a bad word. Because, uh, you know, three years old, that was a really bad word. That's right. And I realized 
that my criticism of myself Mm -hmm. was spilling over onto my son. Like I'm a bad example for him and I don't want him growing up criticizing himself like I do. And so I went home and I looked over my BSF notes and we're in Romans eight, beautiful, I know beautiful it. chapter. <laughs> and the very first verse is there is now no condemnation mm-hmm. for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is your verse to overcome in this area. Wow. And he said, I want you to return to it as much as you can and even say it out loud. Because Satan needs to hear you declaring this truth and you need to hear it like to yourself, you're declaring it over yourself. And so then, (laughs) then it was like this, this thing exploded because like I said, this is a stronghold in me. This is a power base that Mm -hmm. Satan had set up in my life. And so then all these guilty thoughts were coming up and I'd be in the bathroom. I'd be washing dishes. I'd be playing with my kids. And I would just stop and say, there is now no condemnation for those Mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus. There's no not condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus. I personalized it. And even though I had to recite Romans 8, 1 hundreds of times, it started decreasing that problem in my life. Really Mm -hmm. for the first time, did I start to gain a sense of control over it that I can overcome in this area because I'm using God's word as a sword and a shield Mm -hmm. to protect me from all those arrows coming from Satan. So that was an amazing period where God was showing me grace through his word, not just pouring it on me, but showing me how to practically apply it and fight back with it. And that was very empowering to me. Oh, I love it. Well, Sarah, if people want to connect with you, uh, purchase your books, listen to your podcast, will you share those things with us and the places that they can connect with you? Sure. I'll make it easy for you. You can just go to the front page of sarahgaringer.com and you'll see all of those links, all of my social media, everything that you need. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here today, friend. This is awesome. It was great. Thank you. I hope you were encouraged by today's conversation. I just want to remind you, if you haven't listened to last week's episode with Sharon Garlow Brown, to go back and take a listen. It really is like sitting down for your very own personal spiritual direction session. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.